Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. John chapter 1, verse 1, and really I could read the whole... uh, the whole prologue, but I, I'm just going to kind of catch a few verses at the start and then the last verse. And, and we're starting a new series called Getting to Know God. And we want to get to know God as He really is, as He's revealed Himself in the revelation of His Son, Jesus Christ. And there's some things that compete against that in our, in our lives. And we want to talk about that this morning. And so uh, I love John, the Gospel, because he just... He's like laying it out. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know the gospel. I want you to know the story. And it's kind of a retelling of creation. The creation story. It's like a new creation. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now skip all the way down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. Amen. I, thanks be to God for the Word, and we just say amen. Man, it's just, I love it. So, in this series... When we talk about getting to know God, we're talking about salvation, forgiveness, healing, the whole journey of growing up and maturity, and it's just an ongoing journey, whether you're youth or middle school or middle-aged or whatever, or college, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing journey for all of us. It's a, it's a process of learning who God is and learning to know God as He really is. And learning to know God as He really is is a big deal as opposed to how we think God is. So everybody, all around the world, everybody's got ideas about God. Got ideas about what God's like. He's mean, He's angry, He's distant, all kinds of different things. We need a sacrifice to Him in order to make Him, you know, not, you know, throw kids in a volcano or, you know, whatever the thing. Down through the years, there's all those kinds of ideas about God that are out there. And so what we want to do is we want to know God as God has revealed Himself to us. That's going to be the best way to know what God's really like. Not just we've got an idea about God and we're hanging different things on that. Or even just ideas that we get even from Scripture or from the, let's say like ideas about God from the Old Testament that we don't run through the filter of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, Pharisees came to Jesus and in John 5, 39 and 40, he says, you studied the Scriptures all day long. You're studying the Scriptures all the time, but you don't understand that they're about Me. And you refuse to come to Me to understand them and to have life. So, like, whoa. Like, you can study the Scriptures all day long and not understand what God's like? You can. And you can even call Jesus in the flesh the devil. I didn't do this in first service, so it's a lot heavier feeling right now. But it's, it's the truth. We've got to look through the lens. Like God has said... This is what I'm like. He's God objective. God objectively. God in the flesh. So so whatever we say about God, it can't be in contradiction to Jesus Christ. 
So God is Christ-like, and in Him there is no unchristlikeness at all. Put our thinking caps on. I, this, this word has been hard for me to put together because we were just going to do some stuff off some things that I'd written about and studied about for three or four years and then do three messages on it, and it's just kind of blown my mind. It's like, how do you describe the whole counsel of God in 25 or 30 minutes or whatever? But Jesus says it this way. This is eternal life. John 17, verse 3. This is life. This is real life. Like we've got, we've got this life, but then there's eternal life that goes on and on. And this is eternal life that goes on and on. It's knowing you, Father. It's knowing you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So there is a revelation that's from God that is the way that He really is. And it trumps all of our... I'm just trying to say this over and over again in different ways. It trumps our ideas about God. So an example of that would be like, um, we'll say God's almighty, God, and we different categories, God doesn't need anything at all. And there's, He's self-sufficient. There's, like, there's truth there. But then when He reveals Himself as a God of love to say that He's not, He doesn't need something, I mean, that'd be like, Hey, I love you, honey. I love you, but I don't need you. That's weird, isn't it? So we've got we've to th- put our thinking caps on and go, how, what is God really like? God is holy. And we talked about this last week in first service. I don't think we did it in second week, second service. But we get like, even a lot of our tracks start out, God is holy and He can't have anything to do with sin. Everybody track with me here. But the problem with that is he sends his son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And he's just going around touching sinners all the time. Oh, oh, I've got to, uh, And I'm just trying to subvert, subvert maybe some wrong ideas we've got and to look through the lens of Jesus Christ. We want to align everything and God is holy. He's altogether transcendently beautiful. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. But they're not saying uh, uh, stainless steel, germ-free je- uh, germ vest suit thing. You go through the sprayer and that's the presence of God. It's, it's, it's a bigger definition of holiness that looks through the lens of Jesus and it's love. for It's a transcendent love that's from all eternity. It's beautiful beyond our ability to even fathom. It's utterly other, holy. This is transcendent beauty. Okay, we didn't do any of that in first service. That sometimes, sometimes you get a little, get a little of the other stuff. So I was 22 years old, and I just, I, I was, I was broken. I was lost. I was at the end of my rope, and I was going to kill myself because I was messed up on drugs. And I, I called out to Jesus. I said, Lord. I'm, I'm going to die here. I don't know what to do. And suddenly, before my closed eyes, I saw Jesus in a white robe, a gold sash. And he was smiling, going like this. And I said, Jesus, if that's you, you've got to save me because I'm so lost. And I had walked down an aisle when I was 12 years old, heard a sermon on hell, and I was like, I don't want to do that. And, and I just missed, I missed that it was about a relationship with a person. Jesus Christ. And it rocked my world. When I was 22 and I met him, I have not been the same since. I mean, I was, I was 
born again. I had new life, new creation life that I was beginning to experience, and it rocked my world. And this relationship, I just couldn't get over. It blew me away. God wants a relationship with me. God is, and that was part of the revelation, was God, God's into relationship. God is into relationships. And God sends His Son so that we can see how much you know, he, he loves. And so in the Old Testament, God is described as Father 15 times. About 15 times. But in the New Testament, John comes along and he writes this Gospel. And in this one Gospel alone in John, Jesus describes God as Father over 100 times. So this is not an in-passing kind of thing. Part of what I love about John is that uh, the bishops of this, according to Jerome, but according to the, uh, Jerome, the bishops of Asia got together and asked John, will you write your gospel? So 30 years before that, this is like 90, 95, 30 years before, 66 to 65 AD, Matthew, Mark and Luke get written. So 30 years later, John, this old guy, he's probably the only apostle still living, you know, and this old guy, and he gets to write down his reflections about the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is to say Jesus, the anointed one in the Holy Spirit, the Son, who's always been the Son, the eternal Son. He's always been the Son. The Father's always been the Father. And the revelation that is just at the center of the New Testament is that Jesus is the Son of the Father and their shared love and anointing together in the Holy Spirit. And that He is the relational God of love. And I want just I want us at part of my burden, even when I did some of that school stuff, was to try to give language to things like the relational God of love and talk about the Trinity without people going, you know, just kind of spacing out, right? Like it's okay for us to say Trinity and Trinitarian and that that's what God's like. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct persons. The the word that the the uh, church fathers used was perichoresis. Perichoresis, uh, choreography. Peri means about, so it's it's uh, it's 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 that's it. That's all I'm doing. But it's to dance about and to get in on this dance. And so God, this revelation that was blowing the church fathers' minds was that God is inviting us into the dance. And it's just, it's incredible that we, that God from before creation, His plan was to adopt us into His family. And family is just great words because it, it, it's so, you know, there's so many things we do when we experience unity and oneness, even when we're coming from all these different backgrounds and nations and things, and we experience oneness and we, and we hear that tuning fork that goes off in our hearts. It's like when we experience unity and love and stepping into the zone, the way things ought to be. Like, ooh yeah, this. Y'all know what I'm talking about. This is the way, this is the way it ought to be. Well, when we experience that, it's because we're experiencing God's image in us. Oneness and unity and love with distinction. You know, we're one, but we don't give up our, I don't stop being Jamie. I don't meld into Ben and he doesn't meld into me, but we're one. Though distinct, 
And that's image of God. So the relational God of love here is what I'm, what I'm talking about. Oneness without, distinction, uh, without losing distinction. Here's the main thing. The starting point for getting to know God. Difficult theological question. If you don't know the answer, where would you start? Where would you start? Where would you start? <laughs> yes, that's right. The starting point for getting to know God is looking to Jesus and the relational God of love that He reveals. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How does He end? Like His great commission to us is Matthew 28. The disciples, this is crazy, the disciples worshipped Him. So it says, they, they literally, they worshipped Him. That's kind of new, right? Whoa, they're wor- and like these monotheistic Jewish guys are realizing that the Son is co-equal with the Father and worshiping Him. You know, Paul in 2 Corinthians 8, he kind of redoes the Shema. You know, the Lord our God, God is one. God the Father and His and Jesus Christ our Lord. Just putting, just equal Jesus with the Father. And uh, where was I at? Um, uh, 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 Matthew 28. Thank you. So Matthew 28, and so, so he says, all authority has been given to me. So go make disciples and baptize them, teach them all things, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we do that. We baptize people. We immerse them. But it's not just for baptism. God wants us immersed in the triune name of God, that we would live in that reality, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We'd live there, that we would be Steep. Somebody came up to me afterward. Uh, Michael Sones said he. Uh, there's a translation from the message, and he said he said uh, steep yourselves like a tea bag. Just just kind of soaking in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit reality. That's yeah, that's what we want to do. So here we go. There's some things I just want to talk about. Problem. I'm not being comprehensive and talking about every problem that can be talked about, but the problem is our view of God apart from Jesus Christ. And there's lots of reasons why that happens just in our brokenness and fallenness. We'll talk about the fall first. The original problem is sin. The original sin problem. And there's a lot of different ways of framing what happened in the garden. But the way I want to share it right now is it's it's they believed a lie about God. That's, That's it. They believed a lie about God. Satan comes, the serpent comes and says, Did God really say? Is that the way God really is? Believing a lie about God. And believing uh, a a lie about what God has said is the truth about God's Word. So, and ultimately that's really important for us in believing that Jesus Christ is the Word. Not just that this... uh, We had Alan Smith in at the discipleship school last Monday night and I'd never... never, Maybe I've heard him do this before, but... He was making a similar point about Jesus Christ is the Word. He's the Word, and, and, and it's not the Bible. The Bible points to Jesus who is the Word. And so if you read John 1.1 and said, in the beginning, instead of the Word, you substituted Bible. In the beginning was the Bible. And the Bible was with God. And the Bible was God. Well, that would be weird, Right? He's talking about Jesus, the Son. Everybody tracking with me? I know that there's a lot of thinking going on right now. Um, so that would, be, that would be bibliolatry. That would be making an idol out of this when the whole point of this is to point 
to God, to His story, and His reign, His kingdom, His love, His light, shining into our, our darkness. And so if you believe a lie about God, what happens in the fall? What's the first thing Adam and Eve, they, they eat the fruit, and then they make a decision to hide. Hide from God. First decision, hide from God. So that's what happens when we believe a lie about God is we run from Him. Or we, we go, you know, I'm wounded, I'm hurt, my father did this, hurt me, wounded, and I'm going to paint that onto my idea of God. And so God becomes and looks more like our own brokenness and pain than the way God actually is. Tracking? So a big deal. Original sin problem. Another one. Here's a, here's a great one. That is the what we think we know problem. The what we think we know problem. John chapter 9, great example of this. You can go to lots of different places. But turn to John 9, and I'll show you a couple of verses. Jesus heals this guy, this blind guy. He was born born blind. It's the, it's the one where he spits in the mud and put it on your eyes. It's kind of, kind of different. But he goes and washes, and he's healed. He's healed. And so my Bible says the Pharisees investigate the healing. So the Pharisees brought the blind guy, and they're asking him questions and stuff. And so this is, this is the what we think we know problem. I'll give you three examples. The first one is some of the Pharisees, this is verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Okay, so what they know is that he doesn't keep the Sabbath. He's broken the Sabbath, and therefore he can't be from God. That's the what we think we know problem. Another example, verse 26, 20, excuse me, 24. A second time, they summoned the man who had been, who'd been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. Okay, so now the what we think we know problem is not only he can't be from God, he doesn't keep the Sabbath, he can't be from God because we know he's a sinner. There's some problem with their knowledge, right? It's not, it's not true. The third time, verse 29, we know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Now, the logic of this is crazy. Like, we know he doesn't come from God because we don't know where he comes from. So just stay with me on this for a second. So that I know something is factual about God because it's beyond the scope of what I currently know. So the, I can't learn something new about God if it's outside of what I currently know. That's the what we think we know problem. I mean... Like, wow, you know, so that really limits what I'm going to be able to understand about God. That really limits what I'm going to get corrected in my theology and thinking because I'm not going to look to Jesus to see that, you know, to see the truth of it. I mean, Jesus with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, can you imagine too that sermon? They're walking along and then he explains everything about the script, about himself in the scriptures. And that's the point. That's the point. It's about Jesus. We look through the lens of Jesus in order to understand what God's really like. And the what we think we know problem can get us into all kinds of trouble by thinking, yeah, just that we, there's nothing for us to learn or to adjust our lives to or to, to grow. 
And so it kind of leads to this third one. And again, this is not comprehensive, but another problem would be the communication problem. And the communication problem is believing the lie that God doesn't speak. Believing the the lie that God doesn't communicate with us. So, like, you look at Jesus, relationship with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit from all eternity. God's relating. He's relating from all eternity. He creates us and invites us into this place of adoption in order to relate to Him. It's about relationship. He's the God, the relational God of love. Are you tracking? How bizarre would it be that He doesn't communicate with us? Or He only did that a long time ago. Or He only does that through the Scriptures. Or it's, it's, it's really mind-blowing when you think about it. What did Jesus do? I mean, if, okay, so let's back up. We would all say, hey, we want to follow Jesus. We want to look to Him. But Jesus only listened to His Father. He, he didn't do anything that He didn't... He didn't say anything He didn't hear His Father saying, John 12. He didn't do anything. He did nothing of His own initiative. He only resp- lived this life of responsive obedience to His Father. Now, this is huge. Like, I want to live a... Now, we may not always say it's listening to His voice, but abiding, responding. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you'll do nothing. It counts for nothing. I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. You know, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You're clean because the word I've spoken to you. It's just, we want to get that in us and be this, what, what matters? I mean, what's the goal of life? I would say one of the ways of expressing the goal of life would be to abide in Christ. Because you get goose eggs on life apart from Jesus. Just big, yeah, zero. So, yeah. So, a relational God of love, the Son from all eternity, the Father from all eternity. It would make sense that the enemy who's lying to us wants us to think that he doesn't want to relate to us. I mean, think about it. Just, it just blows my mind. Like a relationship is about communication. And we come in, Father, I need this. Father, I need this. Lord, do this in my life. It's, it just, it's, it's interrelating. So those are some of the ways we would define the problem. Uh, sin and what we think we know and, and believing lies about God communicating with us. The second piece then, what's the solution? The solution is that God reveals Himself in the sending of the Son and the sending of the Spirit. And the question then becomes, will we agree with Jesus about His view of God or will we hold on to our view over and above Him? It's just a great way of saying, am I going to agree with Jesus or am I going to hold on to what I think? And for some reason that feels really heavy right now. I don't mean it to be. It's just... Am I gonna, am I gonna realign, recalibrate, align my life to what Jesus says about the Father that He loves, or hold on to some other perspective? So, the Word. We've said a little bit about the Word today. If I was gonna communicate, if I was gonna, uh, let's say, 
teach a little little toddler how to speak. Okay, so I'm I'm not going to stay up here and use five syllable words. I'm going to get down. I'm going to reach down to them, and I'm going to start teaching them words. Just one word. This is that thing, and this is that thing, and they go chair, Micah, microphone, and so we start learning words, and then we start learning verbs and ran and run and I need some other ones. Then then nouns and uh, uh, adjectives and start putting those together in phrases and they form sentences and paragraphs. And and by reaching down in that way, you can like learning to talk is actually complicated, but you start with the you just the basic and then you grow into levels of complication that that allow for greater levels of communication and understanding. That's what God's done with us. He sent his son right down into the midst of our stuff so that we could see what he's really like and begin to understand and begin to speak phrases and words and and nouns and verbs and put sentences together and have expression to what God is like. So, So that's what's going on here in the sending of the son. The center of this, just Jesus Christ's relationship with his father in the spirit. So the sending of the son then is it's about Jesus. So Jesus is the. He's the image of the invisible God. He is, as the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 1, verse 3, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways, but in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom He made the universe. The Son is also, He's the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being sustaining all things by his powerful word. That's a revelation, right? That is a, this mind-blowing revelation. Paul in Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Go ahead and hit it. Please. <laughs> My goal is that they be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they'll have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. So, like in the New Testament, a mystery is something that was hidden, but is now revealed. You want to know what God's like? Who wants to know what God's like? You look to Jesus. So the, the, the full riches of complete understanding that know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. So this is, this is huge. All of this thing fits together to say Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God is to say Jesus is the anointed one in the Holy Spirit, the son who's always been the son from all eternity, the father who's always been the father. There's never a time when he wasn't the father. There was never a time when Jesus wasn't the son and their shared love and communion and anointing in the Holy Spirit. Pow, that is just a blow away and the enemy wants us to believe lies. He wants to come in and get us to, to believe fine-sounding arguments, but we demolish those things. We demolish strongholds and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. That's what we do. That's how, that's, we want to live in that truth and abide in that truth. We want to listen and be aware of and abide in and remain and stay with Jesus. It's like... Uh, my, uh, we just in the training school, uh, discipleship school, got any D school people in this room? 
few back here. Um, it was pretty quiet. A little. <laughs> but uh, we watched a video the other day, and it's my dad in the Lord. His name's Don Finto, and and uh, he was talking. He was out in Abilene, and he was talking about the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of that. But he didn't preach on the love part. He just preached on Shema, which in Hebrew means listen, hear, pay attention. And, that, and, and just, he just went on and on about paying attention to God. Waking up. We say waking up a lot. Have to wake up every morning. Wake up to God. Wake up to God's presence. Wake up to a life in Jesus. To a life in the Spirit. And that's the, that's the next piece there. God sends His Son, but God also sends His Spirit. In the life of Jesus, the Spirit's there all the time. Now, the Spirit comes to us at Pentecost, but the Spirit comes to Jesus in His birth. He's born, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's living His whole life in that constant dependency on the Father. What I'm doing, it's not, it's not, it's not on my own. I'm, I'm responding to the Lord. I'm responding to God the Father. I'm responding that way. His ministry, the healings, the touching this. Again, it's not just Jesus is the center toucher. He's doing everything in concert with His Father and with His Son. You know, it's like, so God's into that. God's not not into that because Jesus is the revelation of God. So, He gives up His life, Hebrews chapter 9 says, by the Spirit, the eternal Spirit. He's living His whole, He's doing everything. He's raised by the power of God, by the power of the Spirit. Ephesians 1, you know, that same, that same strength that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is at work in you. And so then He ascends and then He pours out that Spirit on, on Pentecost. His Spirit is poured out, descending of the Spirit so that we can know in our own experience. We, like, we need encounters. It's not just a head thing. I need an actual experience of God. You know, I'd rolled along for a long part of my life just kind of a, a guilty yo-yo theology thing and just I was saved and I wasn't, I was saved, I wasn't. And I, my hope was if I could, if I was in a car wreck or something, I could just get a, God, forgive me of my sins. The last little blood had trickled out of my lips. Forgive me of my sins. It was a rotten salvation. It, it was a crummy. It was, a, it was, it was just messed up. You know, it... And then I met Jesus and everything changed. And I, I received the Spirit and there was something in the receiving of the Spirit of God that just rocked my world. I'm in, man. I, you can't talk me out of it. Pull my toenails out, but you can't talk me out of it. That was, I just meant like you could... <laughs> Kim's going to be like, don't do the toenail thing. Um, I just meant like... I'll, we have suffered and we will suffer again in order to live this life. It's, it's the only way to live. He is our very life. And the implications for us, you guys, are they're huge. What does this mean for living in connection with the relational God of love like this? It's going to touch the way we do life on the campus, the way we do life in our jobs, 
way we, the way we do life at school. Just It's going to affect everything. It's going to affect the way we think about discipleship. Discipleship is not just, it's like I want to, if I could just, I'm sta- I feel like I'm standing here on the dock, and if I could just push the sh- nudge the ship just a little bit, just, just a little bit more on a trajectory toward knowing God as the relational God of love, what's going to happen 10 years down the road? What's going to happen 20 years down the road when we've lived in this reality? It's going to affect the way we worship. It's going to affect the way we do community. It's going to affect our vision for mission that as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, receive the Holy Spirit. Kabam! You know, we're in. We're in. We're involved. So what do we do? Practically, what do we do? Whenever I ask a stumping, really hard question, yeah, Jesus. It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be Jesus. If you don't know what to do, look to Jesus. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Spend time with Him. Immerse. Immerse. We need to get, get down into it. Like, just go ahead and... You know, just, just go for it. Immerse. Our, dive off the cliff. The... The Acapulco cliff into the beauty and excellence and riveting, gripping, ravishing love of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, so, you know, Yancey Smith, one of our former elders, uh, is a Bible translator and he just got back from France. He was doing six weeks there. It was an immersion because they're doing some stuff with Bible translation in French. But he had to immerse himself in language, language training, the culture, all that kind of stuff. He was there for six weeks. He immersed himself into French. And just a great like we want to do that with the Trinity, with the triune relational God of love, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We want to just absolutely say, Lord Jesus, would you just reveal this in us and to us? And through us. And as that happens, I mean, this is, it's not my vision, it's God's vision. Baptize, be baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and live there. Right? Okay, let's stand up, let's respond to God. Just take a few minutes here. Okay. Who wants to be immersed? <laughs> Yeah. Now, it may be that you need to be baptized into the name of Jesus, into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you do, let us know. And then for those of us who have already done that, I, I want to, or just, even if you just want to take a step forward, like say, Lord, would you immerse me? I, I want to live in this. I want to live in the truth of your love for us. I want to live in the truth of how you revealed salvation to us and forgiveness and healing and deliverance and all of that. You know, it's just, part of this is about, it's a, like I said at the start, it's a journey. I'm, I'm not there, but I want to encourage you guys, when we do times like this, man, be the first in line to say, I want more, God. I want to press into you. And if it fills up, then get somebody to pray for you. And, and I say this a lot, but I just want to say it again. This is the most important time of the morning if you're needing an answer to God, to answer to prayer. God answers prayer. And get somebody to pray for you. The front fills up. Get somebody to pray for you. 
And let's press into the Lord and let's say, God, in this season, I want to get to know you. I want to start with you, Jesus, but I I want the, the fullness of your Spirit's work in my life. I want to know you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Whatever your need is, could be financial or emotional, whatever's going on, please come and get prayer. Go for it. Love you guys.